0: Everyone, I'm excited to be here. Let me first um, state I do apologize for being a few minutes late. Sometimes you can't help it, um, but we had to do what we had to do. Um, I am excited to be here because not only um, am I here participating in your wonderful worship but also to be here with my dear brother and sister Petey and Courtney we ever appreciate you too we love you my wife and I my family love you dearly so it is an honor whenever I can come and I think this is what the second time being here and the worship is always beautiful It's like I was able to breathe and I can't tell you, let's just say I can breathe. Let's just say that I want to give honor to whom honor is due. You can have your seats. I want to give honor to whom honor is due. Um, Honoring my pastor in his absence, Pastor Lawrence Powell and want to give honor to your pastor pastor Dwayne, right and um want to also honor my beautiful wife yes, 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 yes. yeah absolutely beautiful and and god has been doing something with us and i would just ask that y'all would keep us in prayer and many times when people say that they're like oh there must be something wrong no nothing's wrong Actually, it's actually really good. It's the best since we've been married. And we are now, what, 10 years? 10 years going on 11? Actually, November will make 11. Wow. And um, we are flowing together. Um, It is awesome when you have a partner that flows with you. And we've started our parachurch ministry. And I can tell you, she's taking the helm of it. And a lot of the stuff that you'll see about us, it's really because of her hand, her touch on it, the excellence, the, um, what other words can I use? The excellence, the, um, aesthetics, all of that is due to her. We have a team, and she's she's managing them and everything. And I'm just like, I'm loving it. I just get to sit and creatively think, and she puts it. So just want to honor her. I don't get much of an opportunity, because sometimes she's not able to be with me. But today, I just want to honor you. Honor my kids and my team, who's here as well. Marcia, um, our intercessor over the ministry. So I thank you for being here. She is faithful. When I tell you she's faithful, she is faithful. So I thank God for faithfulness. And I want to honor the the great people of Kingdom Living Ministries. You have something precious. Don't let anyone or anything tell you otherwise. Trust me. Um, Last but not least, I want to honor the presence of our Lord in this place. He is here. And I tell you. Um, can't always say that, but in honor of him and his word, can we just stand for a brief moment and turn to Matthew chapter 10, 41. It's an old practice actually standing for the reading of God's word. It actually comes from the old Testament. And, um, if you have Matthew chapter 10, Verse 41, say amen. I can't say amen. I didn't turn there. All right. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward i just want to read that portion at the beginning of the verse once more for emphasis he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward amen to the reading of god's word father we thank you we honor you we glorify you we praise you we can use so many words to simply express our gratitude for your presence in this place. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity and the privilege that you've afforded me once again to be here with Kingdom Living Ministries. I pray, Father, that what will come forth will bring you pleasure. I pray, Father, that nothing that comes from my mouth displease you or offend you. But I pray, Father, it would be ever a fragrant offering in your nostrils. And then, Father, what goes forth, edify this house for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God and for the advancement of the work that is being done here Father I thank you for an anointing that makes teaching easy I pray Father for the full authority of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be operative today Father show forth your strength throw yourself around do whatever you want to do establish your kingdom in this place in the precious name of Jesus and I thank you for answering prayers that have been prayed throughout this week in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may have your seat. What an exciting moment this is. And you're going to find out why as I come to the close of this teaching. I want to talk about the title of this message or teaching, however you want to put it, is A Prophet's Reward. A Prophet's Reward. Now, having said that already, the term prophet conjures up all kinds of thoughts and images and ideas and concepts. And unfortunately, for many people, it conjures up a negative connotation. Uh, The word prophet many times seems so lofty to so many people. And unfortunately, we have, as ministers, played to that role of making what God has made to be something of a servant Like ministry, and we've made it something so lofty that people can't attain it. Some people can't relate to it because it seems too far beyond them. But the reality the prophetic ministry is nothing beyond what we may make it to be, though there is a glory upon it, there is a sacred weightiness to it, there is a um, a, a, a presence of God's authority upon him. But it is simply what Jesus would call another ministry that serves. Yes. It serves the purposes of God. It serves the people of God. So that the people of God can be all that God intends for the people to be. And when we take prophetic ministry out of the confines of what God gives it in its parameters. Then prophetic ministry becomes something other than it becomes occultic. It becomes diabolic, it becomes satanic, it becomes worldly, it becomes culturally uh, um, uh, um, received or, or, or culturally laced with everything that the culture pr- produces. And, and that is probably part of the problem that we're facing in the church. So much of the world is in the church rather than the church being in the world. And so it is with prophetic ministry. Since the 1990s, we have seen a resurgence of the office of the prophet. It was prophesied some time ago in the 1980s that there would be a movement, a prophetic movement, rising up within the body of Christ. And that began to happen in the 1990s. We've also seen how the church since then has embraced the ministry of the prophet. Not just the gift of prophecy, but also the ministry office of the prophet. Though this has proven to be a most needed and missed facet of the the church's ministry, it is also one that has given way to much abuse and corruption which has produced much damage and devastation to many in the body of Christ and fortunately that is where we are presently today so much of what we see on televangelism and on TV of prophetic ministry is sadly to say not prophetic ministry and so much of what we hear of prophecy is not prophecy unfortunately that's where we are Jeremiah 23 verse 11 kind of mirrors our present situation Verse 11 says, the prophets are profane. Wow. That's a strong word. The prophets are profane, meaning they are polluted. They are defiled. They are corrupt. They are godless. And in verse 15, it goes on to say, profaneness has gone out into the land. Pollution, defilement, corruption, godlessness has gone out into the land or into the the land or the people of the world. Why is that the case? Because again, verse 11, the prophets are profane. Pollution is going into land because the prophets are the ones being used as the medium by which pollution and corruption and defilement go out into the land. That is a very sad commentary. Such prophetic ministry has caused the office of the prophet to lose its sense of brilliance, beauty, and influence in the universal church. Many times whenever you hear prophet, you begin to get, you you, you begin to feel skeptical. You approach it with skepticism. Why? Because of all that you have seen or heard or people you've conversed with that have been damaged or wounded by such prophetic ministry. Sad to say. We need to be reintroduced. <laughs> we need to be reintroduced into this reality, trusting upon the office of the prophet so that we, the body of Christ, can receive such persons to be beneficiaries of what they what carry. See, God raised up the office of the prophet. And if you look at it, the office of the prophet is not nothing really new it's something that is very ancient old it's it's always been a part of the reality and God is reintroducing this and we need to it, when it resurged we were not taught when it came back into prominence there should have been much teaching to guide it and to come alongside it to make sure its purity remained so and with teaching would have helped us to discern that which is true and that which is flaky, that which is off, that which is false. But because there was not much teaching introduced or given to the body, we just began to just accept everything and anything. Well, God gave me this word for today because he wants us to understand and to have a better understanding regarding the office of the prophet and prophetic ministry and there's a reason why i'm about to share some things with you because i'm getting a little i'm getting up here with it so much of what's going on under the title of prophet or prophetic is not that at all it's disturbing because we are opening ourselves up so much to it thinking that it's prophetic when it's not And so much that, and it disturbs me as well because we're coming up with terms to talk about it. People say, um, you know, not prophetic, but what? Pathetic. And it's getting so upsetting when I hear it because it shouldn't even be that way. We shouldn't even have to do that, but it is a reality. And I asked the Lord, I said, what do you want me to share? And he says, I want you to talk about this. I was like, well, Lord, you know, I love talking about this topic, but, you know, I don't want to assume this is what you would have me to share. And he was like, no, this is what I want you to talk on. And I said, okay, let's do this. And the more I study, the more I begin to pray, the more I realize this is the word. Now, biblical words for prophet that help define the term. I have to do this because I have to give you some biblical understanding so that you can have a a good handle when I say what I'm going to say. What is a prophet? There are three Hebrew words and one Greek word that gives us the meaning of prophet. First Chronicles chapter 29 and 29 gives you all three Hebrew words in one verse. Talk about, thank you, Jesus. And the verse, if you will just turn there with me. This is old school, turn. First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 29 says this. Now the acts of King David first and last Indeed, they are written in the book of Samuel, the seer. That's the first one. In the book of Nathan, the prophet, that's the second one. And in the book of Gad, the seer, that's the third one. You'll see the word seer translated there twice, but it's actually two Hebrew words. And the first one, which is connected to Samuel, is the Hebrew word ra'ah. And that word simply means to see. It is both literally and figuratively figuratively used. It has so many different usages in the Bible. And it is one of the predominant words for seer. But what you want to understand regarding this word is that it means to see. Not just naturally, but supernaturally. It is to see visions, but it's distinct in its operational function. It's to see visions and it can be the appearance of God to you. It can be visions that are literal or figurative or both. So literal could be somebody appearing to you in a vision, supernatural. It could be an angel. It can be God. um, Sometimes it can be even a demonic spirit. But also figuratively used, it could be an image of a particular thing that is natural, but it's being presented to you supernaturally in the vision. And there is a meaning behind what you're seeing. Let's say I see a vision, which, I've, which how God trained me in this, was I would see a sword. And whenever I saw a sword, I knew what that meant. It was talking about the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And so many times you would see a lion. Let's say you see a lion in a vision. That would not mean that you're seeing literally a lion. You're seeing what the lion represents, which is what? Boldness. The righteous are bold as what? A lion. So, if you see different things, you begin to understand what you're seeing figuratively. So, to take for an example, I had a vision. I went to go preach um, at Pastor Mosley's Balm in PA. And I went to do a school of evangelism there. The, uh, the morning of, the Lord, an angel came to me in a dream. That was not figurative. That was literal. The angel appeared to me, and I saw him. And it was—he was looking good. I was like, "Wow! Very brilliant, strong, mighty." And what he did, he handed to me. He handed me a chalice, and I was looking at. It and I was like, "Okay, what does that mean?" And then I heard the voice coming from the voice of the Lord coming from behind him, saying, "Take, for this is my grace that I give them." I was like, "Wow!" So I knew that morning. Through that teaching and that ministry to them. That God was giving them grace for their evangelistic efforts. And they have since then grown evangelistically in their efforts individually and corporately. And so there are times both that was literal and figurative. And so we see that this word is very powerful. It also means to discern in visions. To make distinction in what you're seeing supernaturally. Sometimes people have visions and they think it's God, but in actuality, it's not God. It's a demon spirit. And you have to begin to grow up in faith to understand the difference between the two. The next Hebrew word is Navi. Navi. It's a word that is predominantly used for prophet in in, in the Hebrew language. So whenever you see the term prophet, that's the word that you're seeing in the Hebrew tongue, Navi. And that word means simply In its root meaning, it means to bubble up or hence to pour forth words abundantly. Remember in John chapter 7 verse 37, it says the Holy Spirit out from your belly shall flow rivers of living water. When you look at that word flow, it means to bubble up. So it is that relationship when a prophet begins to profit prophesy it is really the spirit of god bubbling up in him and producing words spontaneously on the spot for the person it is a word that is not rehearsed it is not something that he can on the side before he knew he was going to speak and then he gave the person it is something that was on the spot and that he cannot edit It is one of those times that is very uncomfortable when prophesying because you don't know what's coming out your mouth, but you're just speaking and you're like, oh God, I'm trusting you that what I'm saying is on point because I did not rehearse this. I don't know what's coming. It's just coming. And many times people think a prophet knows what they're going to say. They have no idea. They simply know, thus says the Lord. That's all I know, my my beginner. And once I open my mouth, the word comes forth and I am... I am on the sidelines listening in what God is saying to you. It's one of the most exciting things as a prophet because I get to sit on the sideline and just listen. And I'm the one speaking, but it's, the, it's God in me speaking to you. And that's one of the most exciting things. Scary, but exciting. And also it means in its understanding of Navi, it means an inspired man or man under inspiration. So that many times when the prophet is prophesying, well, not many times, every time that a prophet is prophesying, it is because of the direct intervention of God, spirit operating upon that individual, inspiring him to speak. Are you still with me? Yeah. I'm doing good. Yeah. All right. The third one is Jose. Jose, the Hebrew word Jose, it means a beholder in vision, and it also means a compact or or covenant covenant this particular hebrew word i really like it because i didn't see something i i saw something i didn't see before it means to see a vision like the other first one ra'ah. but this one is distinct because you're seeing visions visions either of god or of things but it's it many times it's correlated to the covenant of god so I'm seeing a vision, but the vision relates to some aspect of the covenant of God. So when I'm prophesying something that I see in a vision that is Jose, it is correlated to some kind of covenant that God has made. Whether it's the new covenant through Jesus Christ or a personal covenant God made with you that is secret between you and him. Mm. Awesome stuff. The, three, the Greek word here is prophetes. Every time I have to say it, it always sounds weird to me. But it's prophetes. Now, this, when you break it up, is a compound Greek word. Pro being before. And "phates, which is the word which means to make known one's thoughts. Mm. To make known one's thoughts. To declare, to speak, to say, to tell. It is a foreteller. So a prophet in the Greek sense, in a classical sense, even in the modern sense, means to foretell. Wow. So in in essence, it means to be an inspired speaker. So prophetess and the navi is the same connotation. It means to be inspired. means to be inspired. Wow. Now, having said all of that, I hope I didn't lose anybody. Oh, before I could get to the definition, the understanding is to, to speak on things that are going to happen. To speak about things that are going to happen though they've not happened yet. So the prophet has no evidence of this being so because there is no evidence in the natural realm to say that it is so. So the prophet is prophesying by what? Faith in God. God who knows a thing before a thing. God who is the creator of things in earth. He is placing his faith upon the knowledge The knowledge, the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God. He's basing what he's saying and trusting in the knowledge of God that what he's saying is of God. My gosh. But also a prophet does not only speak of future things, he also speaks of things present and past. And whenever a prophet speaks of things past or present, it is always bringing the perspective of God concerning those things. Because you may experience something and you're like, what in the world did I go through that for? And then God comes and tells you, this is why you went through it and blows your mind. You're like, oh, wow. Didn't see that? Of course he didn't. Now, definition for prophet. Thus, a prophet is one who is under inspiration, either bubbles forth abundantly the mind and will of God regarding things that are in the future, Or revealing God's perspective regarding things past or present. Or who sees visions of God and or things in the spirit related to the variance of time. Simply put, a prophet is one who is inspired to speak on things that are supernatural. Inspired to speak on things that are supernatural. And those supernatural things impact the natural realm. That's why when a prophet speaks, you're like, I don't, see, I don't see anything of what you're talking about. Give it time. Give it time. So many times you're like, I don't, what? I don't see that. I don't see it. I don't feel it. So I don't think it's true. Give it time. Because in the certainty of time, it will come to pass. And you'll be like, oh, mg now i want to give you some descriptions of a prophet i hope i'm doing okay on time descriptions of a prophet and i'm coming from the apostle paul in the in the book of, of ephesians the apostle paul in the epistle to the ephesians describes what a prophet is and i love it ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 ephesians chapter 2 and i'm going to be just in the book of ephesians For a good portion of this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. Didn't realize this, but Paul does a good treatise on the prophetic office. And verse 20 says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. When it says prophets there, it's including both Old Testament and New Testament prophets. The church is founded upon the prophetic office of both old and new. Why? Because the new is built upon the old. So there's a continuity of this office. And the apostolic comes up into the new because Jesus establishes the apostolic office. And these two serve as the foundation layer for the church. But you have to understand they have not the significance that they ought to have, devoid of the chief cornerstone himself, Jesus the Christ. In Matthew chapter 16 verse, Matthew chapter 16 verse 16 through 18 reveals something more. Jesus having a conversation with his disciples and says, who do men say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So what Peter is saying is a revelation. He's giving a, he received the revelation and he's giving it. And it blows Jesus away and said, man, flesh and blood didn't tell you this. My father who knows me revealed that to you. And then in verse 18, he says, and I also say to you. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will what? Build my church. And so much so that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Powerful. That's not what I'm teaching today. The revelation of who Christ is, meaning his very nature, his very presence, and his work being the substitutionary work at the cross, past and present. Meaning the present ministry of Jesus as our high priest. All of this serves as the chief cornerstone of the foundation. What was the chief cornerstone? The chief cornerstone served as the means by which the the layer of the foundation would find its place. Without the chief cornerstone, you really couldn't lay the foundation properly and securely in its proper way. The chief cornerstone was primary of utmost importance. And so Jesus is primary and of utmost importance to the foundation of the church. If you take him out of the equation, you don't have the church But then you see the apostolic ministry and the the prophetic ministry. They also are part of this layer. Why? Because they're connected to the revelator being Jesus. The revelation of who Jesus is serves as the means for the foundation being revelatory. Which leads us to the next one, which is Ephesians chapter 3 and 5. But before I continue, I want to say this, that if you remove Christ, you don't have a foundation. You remove the apostolic ministry, you don't have a foundation. You remove the prophetic ministry, you don't have a sound foundation. And anytime you have something built that is not sound, it will fall and crumble under pressure. That's why Satan hates apostolic ministry. That's why he hates prophetic ministry utmost. Why? Because of the importance that they bear for the church. Mm -mm -mm. Ephesians 3 and 5. New Testament prophets are revelators. They receive revelations regarding three things. Heavenly truths for the church. Number two, of future events that impact the church and or the world. And number three the destinies of men the destinies of men Paul's destiny was revealed by prophets Ephesians 4 verse 11 Ephesians 4 verse 11 we all know this passage or this verse it is what reveals the fivefold ministry offices the difference between a prophet and the gift of prophecies is that the gift of prophecy is a gift. It's a gift. The gift, the supernatural manifestation is the gift. But the ministry office of the prophet is also a gift. The difference is one is a supernatural work while the other is a supernatural person. It's a person. And so... It's a person who who inhabits an office. Now, prophets hold an authoritative office presently within the universal church. For what reason? For the equipping and edification of the church. Why? So that the church can be effective in its ministry to the world. Churches that resist prophetic ministry are cutting themselves short of effectiveness. Because they will bring in key insight to things that will help you see what you could not see before. Which brings me now to Matthew chapter 10 verse 41. I'm almost done. Now what I want to do with Matthew chapter 10 41 is I want to read it in light of its Greek significance. To bring out what it's actually saying, Matthew chapter 10, 41 reads again He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. This verse can be problematic because it can lend to abuse, but I want to be very careful not to give off that kind of a mindset. And this is the reason why I say this, because it says here in the Greek, in the, in the Greek meaning, he who receives means he who is hospitable to a prophet. He who is hospitable to a prophet. You get the understanding of how, who he receives by virtue of verses, mm, verses 12 of chapter 10 of Matthew. It says, and when you go into a household or a house, greet it and then he says if the household is worthy let your peace come upon it but if it is not worthy let your peace return to you verse 14 says and whoever will not receive you that's how you know it's worthy because it receives you and hears your words that's how you know if a household is worthy like if you come to my house My wife will receive you. I'm treading dangerously, aren't I? Because (laughs) because we've been having, since we've purchased our home, beautiful home, that we've making a lot of modifications to. (laughs) That's how beautiful it is. (laughs) And truly, indeed, we're, she's doing a bang-up job. I mean, it's, it's turning out something beautiful. And since we've been, we've been doing all this, we've purchased our house, we have people over more regularly than we've ever had since we had an apartment. And when you come to our house, my wife will prepare a meal. Those, you see, already those who have been, they They know. I mean the, the, the whole nine, and she'll serve you, and then she has sweets on the, other, on the sides, all different kinds of cakes and drinks. She makes her own punch, and everybody loves it. It's like, oh my gosh, what are you putting in this? And it's non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic. And so it is wonderful. People leave full. And tell the babe, you're going to put them to sleep and it's going to be very difficult to teach afterwards. But it's because everything is so good. My coworkers can't wait till the 17th because they know what they're going to receive. And so I say all this because when you receive somebody, that's what it means to be hospitable to, to be hospitable to. And the verse continues to say, he who receives or is hospitable to a prophet in the name of a prophet. Mm-hmm. This is not just because I'm a prophet. I come here, I'm a prophet. Mm-hmm. Just because you say you're a prophet doesn't mean that you are. That's right. mm-hmm. You can go around walking around and say all day, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. Doc, I'm coming over, I'm a prophet. You want, I want to prophesy to your church. Not happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. I've not tried what you're saying you possess. How do I know you fit the qualifications of said office? How do I know that you operate within the parameters given by scripture? I don't know you. Therefore, you have no access. Denied. And you have to be that way. Don't open your heart or your ministry to just anybody. Now, this is to me that is Due to him holding the office of a prophet. And everything that office bears. Everything that that office bears. Everything that that office bears. A prophet is not just a person walking around with a title. He inhabits an office. He has authority to function in said way. On behalf of Christ who is the prophet, he represents Jesus the Christ. He represents the kingdom of God. His office bears everything that you need to resist a prophet. You are denying yourself the provisions he has for your welfare. If you are not hospitable to a prophet, a prophet will know and will not be obliged and will have the backing of heaven not to release what he bears for your welfare. But if you receive a prophet who truly is a prophet, standing in the office of a prophet, having the authority and sanction of Christ himself, the prophet, when you receive that prophet, that prophet will release his authority as commissioned by Christ to change and to revolutionize your life. You want proof? I'm glad. I have proof. I have evidence. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. This is my last scripture reference. And then I'm going to conclude with today's date. You may say, what? Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited for y'all. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 17. Let me read it. I'll read it very quickly, but I, I, I just feel I need to read it. Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. She's being hospitable. So it was, as often as he passed, as often as he passed, so periodically he would come to that area. And whenever he would come there, she would what? Receive him. She would be hospitable to him. He would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Wow. Wow. I mean, the great lengths she's extending herself. She went even to her husband to ask permission. Can we do this? Let's do this. And he obliged, and they built him a room, fully furnished, a bed so he can rest. And it happened, verse 11, one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room. Wow, kind of correlation to Acts chapter 2, huh? And lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, he stood before him. She stood before him, I'm sorry. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Excuse me? Whoa. Watch this. Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king? One. Or to the commander of the army? Two. She answered, I dwell among my own people. Meaning, listen. I don't need you to access anybody in my, in my country. I'm a notable woman. I'm a woman of note. People know who I am. I have access into all types of arena and can get my way if need be. So I dwell among my own people. Verse 14. So he said, what then is to be done for her? I I gotta do something. To merely pay her back would not be sufficient. He goes on to say, Gehazi says, actually she has no son and her old her husband is old well wait wait stop wait what 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 can we do for her but she doesn't have a son let's 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 see about her being pregnant and conceiving and giving birth to a son not just a girl a son he specifically stated it you are not God her a son well, oh you God no he represents God officially yes. oh, God, help me God please and Ghazi answered actually she has no son her husband is old so he said call her when he had called her she stood in the doorway she didn't even know it but she was about to get a doorway blessing verse 16 then he said about this time next year he begins to prophesy about this time next year you shall embrace a son and she said no my lord man of god do not lie to your maid servant sometimes the prophecy that you get Is so lofty and so beyond your own mental reasoning and faculty. It's too good to be true. And sometimes because we approach prophecy that way, we don't even realize we cut ourselves short of receiving that prophecy's fulfillment. Because some prophecies are... Contingent upon certain things you must do. Some prophecies are conditional. Others are not conditional. When you receive a non, an unconditional prophecy, God says, regardless of the circumstances and beyond yourself, I'm going to bless you with this. There's nothing you have to do except live, breathe. Other times he says, there's some things that you need to do. You do this, then I will do this. If you don't do it, then it never gets done. So when you're listening to prophecy, you have to take note everything that's being said. But here's the thing. Verse 17. But the woman conceived. But the woman conceived. And bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. She received the the prophet because why? She was hospitable to him. Why? Because he was a prophet. She said, this is a man, this is a holy man of God. And as a result, he was moved to what? Reward her with what he had, which was what? I'm a prophet, I what? prophesy. That's the reward of the prophet. He prophesied a word to her that literally changed and revolutionized her life. You have to understand the husband is what old the husband is what old she's gonna out most likely outlive him she has no what son that means there will be no one to what take care of her when she gets old she will become what a widow and a widow at that time would become dependent upon the community she would become poor. Always looking for what a handout. But if she has a son, he'd grow up to care for her when she's old. So God, that's why He said she has no son. He didn't say she has no daughter or child, doesn't have a son. Community-wise, she would become a widow. She would be poor. But with a son, wow, what a blessing. So that's why she was like, this is too good to be true. To to have a child, to have a girl is, whoa, that's that's lofty. But you're telling me to have a son that's even beyond what I could have thought. And God says, that's what's going to happen. And it happened. I want you to understand something. And this is where I close. September 4, 2016. I love numbers. Numerology is something powerful in the Bible. We schedule, well, you asked me to come September 11th. Every time I think of September 11th, I think of the Twin Towers. But God had it set that it would not be that day, but it would be today. And I was kind of like, wait, I need another week. But I was so glad that I had been preparing and praying and believing God. But sure enough, I was like, "Mm, Lord, help. Help, use me, Lord. Use me, please. But Petey was like, when he said, just ask. You never know. And I also knew she was not going to be here next week. And so when he asked, I said, sure, let's do it. Unbeknownst to me, September 4th, 2016. Because the Lord gave me something, but I didn't realize it was connected to this. And then last night, he said, that's the end. That's the final piece to this thing. Notice I'm taking my time because I'm building what? Excitement, momentum, expectation. Expectation. Now you're wondering, what in the world does he have to say? Well, I'm glad you asked. I hope you're thirsty in your spirit. The number nine means what? How many months does it take for a woman to carry a child? It takes nine months. So the number nine means birth. Birth. Or in other words, something coming from the unseen realm into the seen realm called what? Manifestation. Birth. Number four. So we're in the ninth month, the month of birthing. Number four. Number four means what? Testing, trial, tribulation. Also what? Travail. All right. Here's the last one. 16. 16 is a combination of two numbers that give it together. Eight. Double. So number eight means what? New beginnings. A double of a new beginning. Let that sink in for a good second. Then I thought about this double, God gave me two references. Genesis. Genesis chapter 41, verse 32. In part it says, "Repeat it twice because this thing, this dream you had is established, established, established by God. Meaning what God establishes, it cannot be reversed. Once I establish this thing, it's done. No one can come beyond, behind me to reverse, to change, to annul, to destroy what I establish. It is fixed. It is done. Then in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20 it says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be what? Established. You shall be immovable. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper and God just taught me that what the word prosper means it means to overcome obstacles and to conquer what challenges when God blesses you to prosper people always think it's money well when God blesses you to prosper it will ultimately lead to money to wealth and possessions But it is primarily the ability by which God gives you to overcome obstacles that you could not overcome before. And to conquer challenges that were conquering you. Mm. You You out there trying to find the job. You're doing everything you know to do to get a job. And it just seems nothing seems to be opening. But when God begins to bless you, when he blesses you, there is not a challenge Nor an obstacle that can stand in your way. The door he opens no man can shut.